The question was, why did we really need life? Why did we, why did we need life? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. So that was the issue. Spiritually, every single one of us were dead because of sin. Now, while the message of God's forgiveness, it, uh, it covers everything at the cross, it covers our guilt, and it gives us assurance that where we will go when we die, but it does not give us the power to live the life today. It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are saved. Now, many Christians, they focus mainly on Christ's death for our sins. And important as that may be, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. So it's the resurrection. We are not... <clears throat> saved by the death of Christ, but by the life of Christ. Through his resurrection, we're given the gift of righteousness and eternal life. Let me explain just a little bit about righteousness. Righteousness is a gift that is given to you when you are born again. It is not something that you become. It's not something that you practice. It's not something that you read the Bible, you pray about it, and then all of a sudden, eventually, you become righteous. The Bible says that righteousness is a gift from God. It's exactly the same as eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is a gift. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14... The Bible says, if Christ has not been raised, Paul says, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Everything depends on the resurrection of Christ. Now, most Christians would believe, would, would agree, I should say, that the Spirit of God now lives in the believer. They try to explain it in so many different ways. But you find millions of Christians that are looking for something to happen within them that God would give them evidence that the Spirit of God is in them and um, we spend a lifetime looking for it. But the Bible says here that God initiated a provision of redemption. Redemption, redeemed, we're saved, and God made a way for his life to be injected back into the human being. And that is called Christ living in you. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So the Bible says that God's method was that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that something would happen to you. Yes, you would be born again. Now you have Christ living in you. 
Now, because Christ is eternal, it is impossible to lose what is eternal. You cannot lose it. At the cross, Christ took away and forever that which causes spiritual death, and that is sin. Sin is what caused God to withdraw from Adam. Sin is what caused the life to depart from the physical Jesus Christ. Christ dealt with sin on the cross forever. He took it away. He took the past, the present, and the future for all people. And what could possibly cause us to lose it, sin, it has been dealt with forever. You cannot lose it. It's dealt with forever. In Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The sin issue was forever settled at the cross until you rest in the finality of the cross. Until you come to the place that you actually believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. So sin is not the issue. Sin does not determine whether a person is saved or lost. Until you come to that place in your Christian experience, you will never experience the reality of the resurrection. Now, I'll tell you how important this is. We're going to go to 1 Peter 1, 3, 2, 5. And we're going to... <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Because of his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter, when you, when you read this, he's very excited about something. He's excited about the resurrection. Well, what does the resurrection mean? It's all to Peter. It's all what Christ told us is now true. Everything he said is true. Why is it true? Because he was resurrected from the dead just as he said he would be. He took away our sins. Peter was convinced that not, did, not only did he take them away, but he, not only did he forgive them, but they're all forgotten. All of our sins are forgotten. Many of you may have grown up in the church, believing that every time you sinned, there was some heavenly bookkeeping was taking place, and they wrote down your sin, and then when you asked for forgiveness, then they scratched it out. That's not the way it happens at all. When Jesus Christ says that he has forgotten, why do we insist that he hasn't? So many people believe in a judgment where a big screen is going to come up and all their sins are going to come up. And that's just not true. 
it's not true at all. What we believe honors God. Now, I'm aware that some people get the idea that I believe that sin doesn't matter and that we should focus on obedience instead of freedom from the law. If you focus on obedience, you will always be under the law. Always. And you'll never be able to get out from under it. What does that mean? It means that you will spend the rest of your life in remorse, in guilt, in, in sensing inside of you there's something wrong with you. And the gospel says there is nothing wrong with you. Now, <clears throat> some of you know that <clears throat> the story of Nicodemus, when, uh, when Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, he came to Jesus at night and he said to him, I know that, I know that you are a teacher. I know that you are sent from God. He says, but I don't understand it. How can a man be born again? And Jesus said that you must be born of the Spirit. Water and the Spirit. So there is a spiritual birth. But before that spiritual birth, freedom has to come from understanding that your sins have been taken away, forgotten, forever. That God loves you. Whether you are active in church work or not, whether you give or not, whether you study the Bible or have quiet time, and all these things are good, don't misunderstand me. But none of these things have anything to do with how much God loves you. God loves you just the way you are. His love comes first. Now we start with how much God loves us. Not what we can do to be pleasing to God. Once we experience that Christ is living in us, and once we believe it, and once we realize that God gave us a new heart, and he's given us new desires, then our life begins to change radically. Romans 6, 18, it says, And having been set free from sin, you become slaves to righteousness. Did you know that you are a slave to righteousness? <clears throat> Do you know that it is your nature to want to do right? I have never met a born-again Christian who didn't want to do what is right because that is your nature. And you become a slave to what God wants. 
And the reason you become a slave to what God wants is because what has happened to you, that's what you want. It's not so much what God wants, it's now what you want. You become a slave to righteousness. And all of a sudden, we begin to change our attitude toward God. And we begin thinking, what an amazing God we have. And we find ourselves thanking God for everything. For everything. Just to think that God came looking for us. He wanted a relationship with us. You think of all people, why us? But he wanted to have a relationship with us. And we responded. And the Bible tells us that the moment that you responded, it doesn't make any difference what age you were, but the moment that you responded, God gave you and me as a gift to Jesus Christ. We are a gift to Jesus Christ. We became born again. Well, what does that really mean? Well, if you are a believer, you celebrate Christ's death. But there's another death you need to celebrate, and that's yours. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, cross you and I, we were crucified to the cross. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When, we, when he was resurrected, we were resurrected into a new life, born again. And so when, when Nicodemus, he says, I don't understand it. How can a man be born again? Must he go back the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said this, you must be born of the water and the spirit. Now, most of the time when we read the Bible, we kind of just read it. And sometimes we don't stop and think of what does that really mean? Because there's a lot of Christians who believe that somehow John meant water baptism. That's not what he meant at all. Many Christians, they feel that that's what he meant. You must be born of the water. Listen, he meant the normal birth. When you're born, you spend nine months in your mother's tummy in water. And when the water breaks, that's when the child is born. And the reason that we know that is the very next verse, in verse 6 of John, it says that it talks about born of the flesh. And so that we are born of the water, the normal birth, and then we're born of the Spirit. Then he said, you must be born of the Spirit. Here again, it's easy to... To not even think it through, just to go through it. But this is a spiritual birth that we're going through. Now, what is the heart of one who's been born of the Spirit? It's being born 
into the bloodline of God. That's why Peter said that you, can, you are partakers of the divine nature. You are partakers of the bloodline of God. And that is what changes us from within. Knowing and understanding that we are born in the bloodline of God. It changes. We understand now why we want to do what's right. We have a new nature, a new heart, new desires. And it changes what we want out of life. The biggest lie there is is that a Christian has a wicked heart and that he wants to sin. That is the biggest lie of Satan is that we want to sin. No, we don't. If you're born again, you do not want to sin. The whole idea that you are a sinner is not true. You are a saint, the Bible says, and at the same time you struggle with sin. And we, all, we went through this over and over again. The Bible says that Paul says he doesn't understand why he gets these bad thoughts going through his head. And he says, but it's not me. It's sin that dwells in my body. In other, in, in other uh, letters, he says, it's the flesh. So we have two things against us. Our flesh, which is our personality, the way we were brought up, the, whether we went to church or didn't go to church. Um, our environment in which we grew up. And that's our battle. The whole idea that you are a sinner is absolutely not true. Do you sin occasionally? Yes. I think nature can help us understand this incredible discrepancy between who we appear to be and who we really are. Take the caterpillar. If you brought a caterpillar to a biologist and asked him to analyze it and describe its DNA, he would tell us this. I know this looks like a caterpillar to you. But scientifically, according to every test we've done, and according to the DNA, this is fully and completely a butterfly. Now, because the caterpillar is a butterfly, it will one day display the behavior and the attributes of a butterfly. It goes through a metamorphosis. And you and I, God has given us the DNA of righteousness. And we're going through a metamorphosis. And one day, one day, we will demonstrate to the world that God was right. We are righteous. 
You will never be more righteous than you are this morning. Now, that's a tough one, isn't it? You'll never be more righteous than you are right now. Because here's what happened. When you were born again, you received a new nature. And you've heard, heard me over and over say, that moment that you were born again, God took out that heart of stone and replaced it with his heart. And now you have the Spirit of God living in you. And now your wants are changing. Every day they're changing. Your desires are changing. You want what God wants. You want to be that person that God wants. But the truth is you are. You are that person that God wants. God says that he will recreate you into his image. That text haunted me for years. I would kept on saying, God, could you pick up the pace? Could you pick it up a little bit? I don't like what's going through my head. But he says he will recreate us into his image. He will. You can't. He can. So why don't we just let him do it? And not be worried about what's going on in our heads. Why don't we let God do it? Why don't we trust that he's going to do it? Why don't we believe that he is going to do it? In your heart, you hate sin. And you will always hate sin. You could never, and you can write this down, you could never come to the place where you can continue enjoying sin without remorse and without guilt. Because once you've been born again, born of the Spirit, born of God, when you sin, you're going against your nature. And when you do that, you feel remorse. Just think that God initiated the miracle of salvation. You can know that you have eternal life. I hope that no one leaves here this, this morning without that assurance. Because you can know that you have eternal life. You can rest assured that you will never lose it. It's impossible. Not because of what you do. But because of what he did. To lose eternal salvation would mean that you would have to, you'd have to lose Jesus. And what does Jesus say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. You can take that to the bank that I'll never do it. He says, I will be with you always, even to the very end. Now, most Christians understand, have an understanding of the cross. Jesus died for our sins. In fact, many Christians, they have a chain, they have a cross, and they wear it around their neck. And they want to demonstrate that they, they know how important it is that Christ died for our sins. 
But those same people know very little about the meaning of the resurrection. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So from God's point of view, salvation involves the raising of a spiritual dead person to life. But before God could give life to the dead, spiritually dead, he had to totally eradicate the fatal disease that killed men, and that is sin. So the cross was God's method of dealing with the disease called sin. And the resurrection of Christ was and is God's method of giving life to the dead. And we were once dead. And now we have life. Listen. When the Lord Jesus Christ gives us his resurrection life. It can truly be eternal life. And only eternal life. Because the only thing that could ever cause you to die, spiritually die, would be sin. And that has already been complete, completely dealt with at the cross. That is how you know that your salvation is secure forever. The cross dealt with the sin problem. The resurrection saves us. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved where? In heaven. It's reserved in heaven for you. So the Bible says that it is undefiable. You cannot mess it up. Nobody can mess it up. And it does not fade away. One sin leads to another sin, 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 and finally you've all sinned grace. No, it can't do that. It doesn't work that way. It does not fade away. It does not fade away. You don't lose your salvation little by little because of sin, because sin was dealt with. Nobody is going to be lost because of sin, only because of unbelief. Now, that means that, that you don't have to worry. And I want you to notice one other thing. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So here we have it. Salvation is kept for you by the power of God. Your salvation is kept for you. And where is it? It's in heaven. It's not here on this earth where anybody can get to it. It's in heaven. That's why we have quoted that scripture many, many times that you are already seated in the heavenlies. And now Peter says, it's all reserved for you. Because of what Christ did, it's all reserved for you. It's heaven where nobody can get to it. Nobody. You don't have to go around beating yourself. 
You don't have to go around wondering, am I doing right? Am I doing good? Am I gaining any ground? It doesn't seem like that. Year after year goes by and it seems like nothing's changing. You don't go there. You don't go there because something is changing. God is recreating you into his image. He can do it. Our responsibility is to let him do it. Let him do it, not worry about it. I've said it before. I struggled with something for 20-some years. Finally, I laid my head down on the pillow one night, and I said, Lord, I said, how, many, how many years have I talked to you about this? How many times have I asked you to pick up the pace? Obviously, you're not worried about it. So if you're not worried about it, I'm not worried about it. So I'm going to forget all this. This is the last you're going to hear from me on this subject. I had to learn to let God do what he said he was going to do. And for me to get out of the way. Don't torture myself. Don't look at my circumstances and, and think, well, it's me. No. God is with me even through my circumstances. We all need to be reminded. It's called the renewing of the mind. Now, we need to be reminded who we are in Christ. And believe me, I'll do my best to remind you. You are a child of God. That's who you are. It's all God has ever asked you to do is believe it. And if you believe it, you'll act like it. You'll treat people with love and respect. Everyone. We, mean, we need to be reminded what God has done. And what he is doing every day in our life. In the next letter of Peter, 2 Peter, Peter goes on. He says, you have been given everything that pertaining to life and godliness. Now just think about that for a moment. You have been given everything for life and godliness. Now, that makes a little bit of sense now because Hebrews says that you are perfect forever. Forever. Now, none of us feel that we're perfect. So we can't go by our feeling. We have to go by what the scripture says. We have to go by the fact. Now, there's some people say, oh, yes, but that's the way God sees you. That's not who you really are. No, that is not true. It's not God the Father does not have Jesus' glasses and he puts them on and he sees you differently than you are. You are everything that Christ says you are. The Bible says that you are perfect. You are complete. And here Peter is saying, you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And then he says, he goes on and he says, he's, he's encouraging all the saints. He says that you are partakers of his divine nature. The Bible says in the Old Testament, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
is all God has ever asked us to do is just believe him. Believe what he says is true. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that it, it is all true. That the resurrection has is, is given us life. It's given us a new purpose. It's given us an understanding of what you're doing inside of us. We thank you and we praise you. And we love you for all what you're doing. I pray that you'll be with us and have, help us to have a great day today. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.